0: Nothing to interrupt a lazy hump day in the summer like NBA trade drama. This is Smith's Hangtime Podcast. My main man, John Schumann. I'm sorry to uh, pick you up from your summer slumber, but Hawaii Leonard has been traded, my man. Off to your favorite city, Toronto, to the Raptors, in exchange for DeMar DeRozan, who's none too happy about being moved and... Jakob Pertle and lottery protected draft pick next year. You, Danny Green is going with Kawhi to Toronto. I don't know how happy he is about it. I mean, I know he's a New Yorker. Maybe he's happy to be closer to home. Is, is there anybody involved in this deal? Because it might be exciting.
1: That's a good question. I don't know. Jacob Pertle might get a little bit more playing time. Basically it's him and Pau Gasol, I guess, as centers in San Antonio. I guess LaMarcus Aldridge will play some at center, but Purtle will get a chance to maybe play a little bit more and Get a chance to play for um, one of the best coaches in NBA history, so we'll see. But it's an interesting deal, and it's interesting not only from these two teams' perspectives, but from the perspective of a team like Philadelphia, who didn't trade for Kawhi Leonard. You know, it's fascinating, and I'm sure we'll spend the next several weeks breaking it down, and then we'll see what comes with the season of Kawhi Leonard in Toronto. Yeah, I'm
0: here in my home state of Michigan. There's a guy who I saw in summer league. Who's now working on the other side of the state? Who I'm sure is scratching his head and wondering, "Damn, I wish I wish y'all gave me Kawhi." Dwayne Casey must be smiling and really, you know, scratching his head about this move. This is something too that was rumored about a little bit, you know, But after months of speculation about what would happen for this deal to go down now, you think that the Spurs do it too soon? And I'm assuming they got the best deal they could and kept Kawhi away from the Western Conference, which I thought was always paramount for the Spurs. I never thought they would move him to a team in the West, especially not the Lakers. I just didn't see that being a possibility. Could they have waited longer, though, maybe, and squeezed something more out of somebody?
1: I mean, we don't know what was on the table. You know, I keep coming back to Philadelphia if, you know, as far as I know, a Markel Fultz deal wasn't on the table, like a Fultz and Covington type combination or a Fultz-Covington-Sarich kind of combination. We know that they got maybe the best player right now, like a legit all-star right now, whereas sort of any other team they were dealing with, they were sort of trading for a package for three, four years down the line. Whereas right. this was sort of a, a win now trade, which is interesting in some ways makes sense, given that their next best player is LaMarcus Aldridge, who's obviously in a win now part of his career and won't be around necessarily three or four years from now if they were to trade for a package that included guys that were in their first or second year of a rookie deal. So I think, yeah, you know, I, I think you and I don't know exactly what else they were dealing with or how anxious they were just to get this over with. And then maybe get a couple of weeks of vacation before training camps. Uh, <laughs> training camps open, but obviously they had to do what was best for them. And you know, obviously they thought this was the best deal for them. I'm not in the boat or in the camp that you have to keep them out of the West. I think you just got to do what's best for you and get the best deal for you. And if that puts mm-hmm. you in position to be a great team three or four years from now, then who cares whether you're trading Kawhi Leonard? to the Western Conference, you know, like who knows what team he goes to is going to be like three or four years from now. So I'm not in that camp. That doesn't factor into my evaluation of it. But of course, Mm -hmm. we don't know, you know, what else was on the table for them. So it is clear, though, that they care about staying competitive in the Western Conference right now.
0: Yeah. The fact that it wasn't a pick heavy deal lets you know that for sure. As I mentioned, both players are reportedly not excited about the trade, And I don't know if it's so much not excited about the trade as they are, just stuff that a deal went down anyway, you know, for DeMar DeRozan. His Instagram post was rather interesting. This is him talking, but he said, Be told one thing and the outcome another. Can't trust him. Ain't no loyalty in the game. Sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing. Soon you'll understand. Don't disturb. Even if DeMar DeRozan was told that we're not going to move you, he's got to understand the business of basketball, necessitates moves sometimes that front office people don't want to do or don't foresee doing. I mean, Masai Ujiri, he has to take this shot, does he not? I mean, he's in Toronto, which we both agree is a fantastic city, unbelievable city, top three NBA city as far as I'm concerned in terms of the amenities, the cosmopolitan nature of the city, the size, the people, the fan base, things to do everything. I mean, to me, it's L.A., New York, and Toronto in that order if you just talk about the city itself but you got to take the shot if you're Messiah, don't you you have to you can't count on recruiting a free agent the caliber of Kawhi Leonard you've got to take a shot if you get an opportunity to trade for him.
1: yeah i agree with that i throw miami in that list of top nba cities
0: miami's a top city period
1: in the history of human race
0: um, they're like above even an nba city but go ahead yeah
1: but i think that yes derozan has to understand the business of basketball but maybe there's a difference between you're know, having a trade coming out of the blue and being surprised by it versus being lied to which what seems to be what he's insinuating yeah and and then the question is if he's talking about something they told him you know the question was well when was that was it in the last few days was it in a few months ago or what you know so again we're not on the inside of that conversation either so it wouldn't be really fair to speculate But I think, yeah, there is a difference between being surprised by a trade and then having a trade be exactly the opposite of what maybe they told you previously. So, you know, I think he's got an opportunity, though, in San Antonio to compete in the West and to still be one of the best shooting guards in the league and to play for Popovich, who's also the Olympic coach. I think he'll get over it at some point. I think he's a... a smart guy, and, and we'll see this as an opportunity to do something new. I think he did definitely have some loyalty to Toronto, and there's guys that I think value being with one team over the course of his career. We know that DeRozan is a a Kobe Bryant acolyte, and Kobe stayed with one team for his entire career. So right. maybe, that was, maybe that enters his his head as far as his feelings towards being traded. Yeah.
0: All right, we'll uh, rapid fire with you. I'm ask you a few quick questions okay. this year, and we'll see what you think. First, how does Kawhi fit in with the Raptors? And in my mind, he fits in pretty much everywhere because he can play both ends the way he does. But how do you think he fits specifically with the Raptors? It's a
1: good question. You know, we didn't see him all of last year, and he played nine games, right? So, you know, we're talking about how he was playing, you know, to try to think about it. We have to think about how he was playing two years ago. And, I posted I posted those highlights on Twitter, by the way. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. So check it out. And we have to also have to assume that he's healthy, right? Like, yeah. is he the same player? He's a better three-point shooter than DeRozan was, so it gives them a little bit more spacing. I do think, you know, DeRozan is better at creating offense by himself, but, of course, there's a huge upgrade on the defensive end of the floor. And I think, like, when you put Kyle Lowry, Danny Green, Kawhi Leonard, OG Ananobi and either Serge Ibaka or Pascal Siakam on the floor, you've got an incredible defensive unit. And so I think that's where this team can be really, really good. They have a ton of versatility. You know, you have Ibaka and Siakam that can play small ball five. You've got Leonard and Ananobi that that can slide over to the four and and bring in CJ Miles for additional shooting. They have a solid 10-man rotation. and Not not that they didn't last year, but I think they just got a ton of shooting, a ton of versatility. I think this team could be really, really good. And I think it's basically they're all in for this coming season, and maybe they're as good as the Celtics. Maybe they're right there with Boston going forward for at least this season, and then we see what happens after that. But they could be really, really good. All right.
0: How big a risk is this for Masai,
1: you know, for the Raptors (laughs) to—
0: I don't think it's that big a risk, personally. I think it's relatively low, but what do
1: you say? I'm not in the boat where, "Eh, yeah, we can just break it down after this, but, like, well, why do you want to break it down? You've been so successful. You've been one of the two or three best teams in the Eastern Conference for the last five or six years. Like, why do you want to break that down? You know, I I do see, you know, like the, the ceiling is raised, I think, for this coming season, but then the floor is lowered beyond that, so that's not necessarily a positive so I think there is some risk. I think it's I probably see a little bit more risk than you do, but yeah, I, I guess you know if you see Boston and what Boston was, is going to be in two or three years, maybe you do feel like the best thing to do is just go all in on eighteen, nineteen, and then be ready to reshuffle after that.
0: Good point. If you're the Raptors, do you expect a major style shift now without DeRozan because of the way DeRozan and Lowry played off yeah. each other with Kawhi, who's, I mean, Kawhi was pretty ball dominant the last full well, healthy season he had in San Antonio. I mean, they played through him a ton. Um, does that change the way the Raptors play with Nick Nurse in charge now and, and not with Casey? I mean, how does, how does this affect the way the Raptors are going to play? Stop.
1: I think the way they play this coming season versus opposed to last season is more about the coaching change than it is DeRozan versus for Leonard swap. I think this team's going to shoot a lot of threes. I think the ball's going to move pretty well. You know, Leonard and Green uh, were both part of that 2014 Spurs team that we loved so much, just the way the ball moved. You know, I think Kyle Lowry has been, you know, last year showed a greater willingness to get off the ball and give it up and let it move and not control it so much. Their success, again, is like it was last year, really is going to come down to guys, role players being able to make shots. And I think you should see some improvement from all those guys. Van Vliet, Ananobi, Siakam, they're all so young. You know those guys are going to get better, and I think this is going to be sort of more of a a collective team, more of an ensemble cast, I guess than we've seen in the past with the ball dominance, although that obviously we saw a change in that this past season with the ball moving better, so right. I think they'll take a further step in that direction, I guess is what I'm trying to say yeah
0: in a wild summer shoot that has changed the landscape, you know LeBron going to the Lakers, Paul George staying with Oklahoma City, you know all these different moves thinking about the Spurs what does this do to the Spurs operation in terms of where they sit and, and I know you probably got some good Spurs trivia dug up after this goes down and I want you to give me that next what does this leave San Antonio
1: you know I I look and I see a lot of older guys obviously still there Ginobili Aldridge Gasol you know Bellinelli it's a weird mix I think right now you know you still have Rudy Gay It is a weird mix. I'm sort of fascinated to see how they generate offense with this team that they have. You know, I think they could still be an excellent defensive team. They're they're always good defensively. So I don't have my sort of worries about them on that end of the floor. But I still kind of worry about them generating offense I guess DeRozan will give them what he's produced for Toronto in the past the question is you know what happens when he has to give up the ball is it just going to be too much isolation between him and Aldridge too much mid-range between him and Aldridge to generate a top 10 offense
0: I mean look I had an executive tell me during summer league in Vegas that we have to stop looking at Teams with all these young players and assuming that they're going to ascend to a championship level, he said, go back and look at the average age of the teams that are winning titles in this league. He said it's usually 26 you know, to 30 and above, not 26 and young. So the Spurs would have a team with an age profile shoe that would suggest they're going to be in the mid. But when you look around the West, they really look, even with the Rosen, like I don't think this moves them out of the place they were Last year, without with Kawhi for only nine games, I don't take them serious as a contender in the West.
1: Well, I mean, you do have to think though; they basically just swapped Danny Green for DeMar DeRozan in regard to last year. Yeah, right. I mean, that looks like a positive. And you but a know,
0: championship? I mean, you think that's a that's not a championship? No, I mean,
1: it's not, no, no. Yeah. Like the Golden State Warriors are still there and still have Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, and Draymond <laughs> Green. So. So no, like there's not a championship, but, you know, they ranked 17th offensively last year and they should take a step forward with the DeRozan for Danny Green swap. But um, I think spacing is still an issue and, you know, other teams are going to get better. Really, spacing is still an issue. Shooting is still an issue. And so I'm, I'm fascinated to see how it works. You know, I think you should never really doubt this team. The defense will be there. But when they're competing against the best teams in the West, the best defensive teams in the West, the offense is going to be a problem.
0: What does this do for LaMarcus Aldridge's confidence? You know, not having to worry about where you fit when Kawhi comes back anymore. Now maybe you're the the number one option and the anchor for this team. Does this turn LaMarcus back into the all-star we saw when he was important?
1: I'll be interested to see how it works, the dynamic works between him and DeRozan, like just to see if they can play off each other at all or if it's really going to be like a my turn, your turn situation with those two guys. The good thing is that you can stagger their minutes, and so you can always have one of the two guys on the floor at all times. And so you can have at least one offense generator out there and never have really sort of like an ugly offensive unit out there at all, you know, with nobody that can really create. So, I mean, you can always give the ball to Aldridge in the post and you can always put the ball in Derozan's hands and, and ask him to create, you know, set a screen and go from there. Yeah. But, yeah, when they're on the floor together, I'll be fascinated to see how do they work together or is it just a, a my turn, your turn situation? Yeah.
0: So what kind of trivia did you dig up on the Spurs? I know you had to start thinking about the Spurs after the deal goes down. <laughs> they lose Tony Parker and Kawhi Leonard in the same summer
1: great yeah it's amazing you know two guys that have been there from the start you know that have been there their whole careers you know Ginobili's the the last one left in, in that regard and i think the whole thing the whole leonard situation makes you appreciate tim duncan all the more you know just his not that he was you know beyond that he was one of the best players in the league or the one best players in nba history on both ends of the floor but just the way he Held down San Antonio and was the rock for that team for so long. And a coachable player and one that, you know, just set the example for 20 years. It's amazing. All right, so um, trivia. I got yeah, you. go ahead. Go to Twitter.
0: Go ahead. I'm here with your uh, trivia. What's All right, over the last
1: five years. There have been 149 players with at least 2,500 field goal attempts over the last five seasons. Mm-hmm. Six of those guys have taken at least 45% of their shots from mid-range between the paint and the three-point line.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: How many of the six could you name?
0: All right, give me that again, man. Let me write this down. I got
1: All right. Six guys have taken 2,500 shots over the last five years with 45 or more percent of their shots. So they take the greatest percentage of their shots from mid-range. Okay. Um, between the paint and three-point line all right
0: this this has to be uh there has to be a couple guys on involved in the summer for the spurs
1: <laughs> on that list yeah, uh, we just talked about two of them tony Parker. no 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 and have enough shots Jims. that's a good question um he gets in the paint quite a bit he's he lives in that in the sort of the paint not right at the basket but that sort of floater area Right. I
0: mean, DeRozan has to be one of them. He's probably the number one guy.
1: DeRozan's right at 45%. He's sixth on the list out of the six. Six. Okay. Uh, A couple of them should be easy. Fairly easy. uh, Kawhi on the list? No. No. Uh, Who else were we just talking about? Marcus Aldridge. Correct. Number one at 53%. So he's taken more than half. 53% of his shots over the last five years have come from mid-range. Yeah, that's what, I mean, that's his
0: operation down there on the... Yeah.
1: The only other guy over 50% is a future Hall of Famer. Probably got one more season left. Should be Mm -hmm. fairly odd. Lives in the mid-range, obviously. Entering Uh, season, I want to say, 19 or 20? Dirk Gawitzki? Dirk, yes. 53%. Yeah, I figured Dirk would be on there. Um, Who's a a guy that's sort of been pretty criticized in the last year or so, went to a new team this past year, didn't exactly work out for him, and is about to be moving on. Oh, Carmelo. Carmelo, correct, 45%. Of course, yeah. The last two are tougher. One guy has won a championship the last two years, a vet, Mm. jersey guy. Uh, David West. David West, correct. And the last guy's tough. Did not play this past season, but is still trying to play. He missed this past season with hip surgery. This guy's more of an athlete than you think of as a mid-range shooter. Mm-hmm. Went to Duke, played most of his I'm career in Charlotte. Oh, in Charlotte. Uh, last played with the Sixers. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm, this, I know you're talking about. I'm, uh, missed this last his, his dad was a player, too. Um, Gerald Henderson. Gerald Henderson, right. I was surprised yeah. by that one. I didn't huh. Realize one he yeah, had enough attempts, and then two that he was exactly. such a mid-range heavy guy. But he is.
0: Well, I mean, I see the mid-range part, but I just wouldn't have thought he'd have had enough attempts.
1: Yeah, yeah, especially he missed all of last season.
0: Yeah, interesting. Shoot, I don't know if this—I don't know if I'm reading this right, but this kind of might serve as the unofficial end of the. NBA summer, am I correct? Well, we got After we get done with USA Basketball Training Camp next week, the, the craziness is over,
1: right? Well, Carmelo Anthony needs a team, assuming yeah. uh, he'll get either traded or bought out by the Thunder. Thunder. Yeah, that's true. Clint Capella's deal has to be worked out in Houston. Sounds like there's movement on the Marcus Smart front Marcus today. Marcus
0: Smart, yeah, that makes sense. What Boston's getting ready to do, I think, yeah.
1: Melo and, and Capella really is the two sort of outstanding issues Really, and then yeah. there's a couple other restricted free agents that are still waiting for a deal or going to be forced to accept the qualifying offer uh, beyond those, but beyond uh, Capella and Smart. Yeah. Rodney Hood, Montrez Harold, the sort of the names that...
0: Yeah, I was trying to get the uh, pool furniture out, grill cranked up <laughs> next week, like figuring, all right, now we got a chance to relax a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, there really, no It seems stuff. like it's just a matter of money, right? So I don't think, you know, if when eventually he comes to uh, terms with houston it's not going to be earth-shattering news and carmelo i don't know if he's really an impact player anymore it'll be interesting to see where he lands you know houston seems like the best possibility but i think this was the final really landscape changing move to be made
0: right I mean, and I honestly thought the Spurs would drag this out. I didn't say they would make this deal as soon as they did. I thought this is a training camp thing or potentially even into the season, but it must be clear to them, must have been clear, made clear to Pop and R.C. Buford that Kawhi had no intention of his mind being changed, and he was resolute about getting out of it. It's a pretty amazing turn kind of events. When you think about this, the uh, 2014, he's finals MVP. Yep. And you're figuring the link from the Tim Duncan era to whatever comes next for the Spurs, have Kawhi written all over it, and here we are, July 2018, and and he's off to Toronto.
1: And think about it, like if you're to believe the reports, he doesn't want to play in Toronto, or this is he's not happy about playing in Toronto. The Spurs and the Raptors are two of the two of the best organizations in the league, and this guy is now said. Yeah, that you don't he doesn't want to play anywhere other than LA. As far yeah, as yeah, I tell. mean, so. but you've got uh, I don't know. It's I do believe that players, you know, obviously should control their own destiny as far as when they're in free agency but you're under contracts i don't know like you give whatever organization you have you give it all and give them your best you give them be. yeah, the best you got it says something about a guy that two of the five best organizations in the league he said he didn't want to play for that to me is interesting say the least
0: that you finish it off there with john schumann here thank you smith on the hang time podcast coming to you live from michigan my main man, Hugh, in New Jersey. I'll talk to you next week, too. I don't even know what, I don't know what would possibly go down between now and next week other than something explosive at USAB training camp that could top this. Um, and I'll be heading back to Vegas next week for that. So I know Greg Popovich spoke today as we were taping this podcast. it would be very interesting to see what his words and thoughts were about this move and how it went down. Make sure you tune in to NBA TV. Stay locked in on NBA.com for all the latest news around the league. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to The Hang Time on Apple Podcasts for new episodes all off-season long. Don't forget to leave a review. Chew, I appreciate you, my man. I will talk to you down the road, and we'll see everybody right here next week on The Hang Time Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Hang Time Podcast, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts for a new episode every Thursday this season. And as always, say kuna matata.